reading from Acts. The rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. The word of the Lord. A reading from John. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. In the wonderful love of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is it safe to presume that most of you by now have figured out why this is called Good Shepherd Sunday? 
Sheep and shepherds were powerful images for the people of Israel, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I checked uh, an online concordance and found nearly 200 mentions of sheep and shepherds. And so the mentions of, uh, so sheep and shepherds were a powerful image, even for the city dwellers in Jesus' time. If they had no experience of sheep in the fields or in the hills around Jerusalem, they almost certainly would have met sheep on the streets of Jerusalem, being driven to the temple for sacrifice, and especially around the time of Passover. Sheep and shepherds were indeed close to the people of Israel. Now over the years, over the years many of us, excuse me, have heard numerous sermons on sheep and how stupid they are and how much they need a shepherd because of their stupidity and waywardness. For most of us, sheep are far off and outside our experience. I had no personal experience of sheep until last summer when Gail and I visited a sheep farm in Scotland where we watched border collies herd sheep. I had a chance to shear a sheep, or at least help to shear him one, using an old-fashioned manual shears. Even though the sheep was, was very docile, lying on its back in the arms of the shepherd, um, while I sheared, it was real work, and my hands soon got tired. But as we watched, it soon became clear to us that the sheep being herded by the dogs and sheared by the shepherd uh, were just as stupid and just as needy and silly as advertised. But if we stop our thinking at sheep and their need for shepherds, we have not gone deeply enough. In our passage from the Gospel of John, it is clear that Jesus was not speaking simply about sheep and shepherds. He uses this image that spoke to the people of Israel to show us the relationship between God and his people, and not just the people of Israel, but all of us. The key is the opening line of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus describes this relationship not just as caring, but of love between the sheep and the shepherd, or rather between God and his children. His sheep hear his voice and follow him. Remember the parable where the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep <clears throat> to find the one lost sheep? Now I've been told that, that would not really happen in a real um, shepherd and sheep flock situation. But again, Jesus is not talking about four-legged woolly animals. He's talking about God's love for us and telling us that each one of us is precious in his sight. It is this love shown by the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep that St. John is telling us about in his letter that we read as the second lesson. He means that we too are shepherds. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And further in the passage, this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us. Now, if we ask who are these others, <clears throat> we'll get the same answer that Jesus gave when asked, who are my neighbors? It's not just about the people we see as we look around us in this room, but also the people in this neighborhood, this city, this nation, and the whole world 
that so desperately needs to see God's love. Now, I don't think this necessarily means we need to imitate Christ in getting nailed to a cross, or even St. Peter and John speaking before the high priests and, and the leaders of the temple. But I think each one of us is called to show God's love for us in our lives and let others see God's love shining through us. Now, for everyone and each one of us, this is different. Many of you know that Gail and I have two sons, Nathaniel and Christopher. We love both of them very much, but not in the same way. Nathaniel and Christopher are two very different people, <clears throat> and they are in very different places in their lives. The way that we express our love for Christopher would not fit Nathaniel's needs. Neither would Nathaniel necessarily feel loved if we treated him in the same way we treat Christopher. Gail and I have to figure out how to show each son our love in ways that they can feel our love and know that we love them and that our love for them is not conditional. It does not depend on how they behave or what they have done. It is for who they are. But in this case, one size definitely does not fit all. And frankly, Gail and I are very different. Each of us shares our love with our son in different ways that we hope helps them and gives them a more complete love than either Gail or I could show by ourselves. Now, just as Gail and I need to use our own particular gifts to show our love for each of our sons, we are all called to use our particular gifts in the various environments we find ourselves in as we show God's love in the world. Each of us is given different gifts, sometimes even different gifts at different times. Sometimes it may, excuse me, <clears throat> sometimes it may mean giving up a little time, listening to some lonely person talk to us. Sometimes it may mean giving up a little personal pleasure to be able to give more to the Dunn Center, Episcopal Relief Development, or some other worthy, worthy cause. It could mean offering someone a ride to the doctor's office or bringing a meal to someone just out of the hospital or unable to fix their own meals for a while. Gail and I were deeply moved and very grateful to the people who brought us meals when we were both recovering from various surgeries during the summer of 2016. But still, I find one more lesson in today's readings. And this lesson is, for me, very challenging and indeed somewhat scary. Loving and being loved by God and being willing to accept the gifts that God gives us means that his love can and does change us and will continue to change us, change us in ways that we never expected or asked for. His gifts can surprise us and his spirit can empower us to use those gifts in ways that we never imagined. Our first reading from Acts shows us how being open to the love of God can transform us and those around us. Consider the disciples we read about, Peter and John. We see them speaking boldly to the Sadducees, the chief priests and the leaders of the temple. Now take a moment to think about these guys, Peter and John. Before they met Jesus, they were commercial fishermen not necessarily <clears throat> very well educated, and certainly not well-trained public speakers. 
Now in the passage before today's reading, Peter and John have healed a lame man in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. As a result, the formerly lame man is dancing and, and leaping around in the Solomon's portico of the temple, praising God and generally drawing a lot of attention. When Peter begins to explain to the gathering crowd what has happened, he and John are approached by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees, all of whom were much annoyed. They arrest Peter and John and put them in prison overnight. As our passage begins, the rulers, elders, scribes, assembled with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and all the others who are the high priestly family, most of whom are Sadducees. Now remember, these rulers, elders, high priests, and others are the very same people who just six or eight weeks ago had plotted the death of Jesus. They had tried him, brought him before Pilate. Then they stirred up the crowd to cry out, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas, and later crucify him, crucify him. And now, just six or eight weeks after the crucifixion, Peter and John are preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to these exact same leaders of the temple. Clearly, the love of God working through the Holy Spirit has not only changed them, but given them the strength and courage to get up and do what needs to be done to show the reality of God's love. We, too, need to accept the love God gives us and to search out ways that each of us can, with our own unique gifts, show that love in every part of the world we touch. Yesterday, we celebrated the life of Barbara Bush. And among the memories and quotes of, from numerous people, I found one that seems to fit today. She said, you don't have to be a president to be a leader. And you don't have to be a first lady to touch the life of someone else. And I will add, we each need to be the unique people that God has created us to be, to accept and to use the gifts God gives to each of us to serve him and show his love in the world. Amen.